Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. Everybody say 17. Okay. Before I get there, I need to tell you a story I'm not proud about. This last uh, two weeks, uh, someone in my family had a routine medical test that they needed to get done. And it's one of those tests that you have to schedule, you have to take a little bit of time off work, and you have to get your health insurance to approve it. It wasn't this huge test, but it's just, that's how the process goes, right? You have to take time off work. So we figured this out. I took some time off work to, to handle it, and uh, a few days before the test was going to occur, the doctor's office called and said, hey, we've not heard back from the insurance company. And I spent the better part of 20 years in healthcare, and uh, this is not rocket science, <laughs> getting healthcare uh, insurance companies to approve te- just simple tests like this. And so when I got that call, this part of my life Jesus is still working on, because uh, what makes me sometimes frustrated is when healthcare gets sort of sideways. And so within two minutes of getting that call, I called the insurance company. And I hit the customer service number and and gentleman on the other end of the line picked up and I said, hey, got this test, seems simple, it's not approved. And he started asking very odd questions about other family members that weren't having a test. And within like 30 or 45 seconds, I knew this call wasn't going well. And so I I stopped him after probably 90 seconds in, I, I said, Sir, this this is just not going anywhere good. I'm wondering if we couldn't get a supervisor. Like, can we get, and he agreed. He's like, yep, we probably do, no problem. And so he put me on hold, and uh, two minutes later, he came back on the line and said, I actually wrote it down, he said this, I can't find a supervisor. That's what he said. And my, I don't know about you, but in the moment, it wasn't my best moment. I'm just being transparent. I didn't say anything, but my mind started wandering. I wanted to ask him, did you even look? But I knew that that wasn't probably, and so I finally just ended the call. I'm like, this this is probably not gonna get resolved today, so why don't we just end the call? He agreed and we ended. Now, I, I hung up the phone and I had two thoughts cross my mind. The first was I was frustrated because the the thing wasn't resolved and we're gonna have to reschedule the test, which got taken care of, right? But I was still frustrated. And then the second thing that crossed my mind was, I didn't do very well at that call. I went from zero to frustrated pretty quick, and that's not fair. And and it got me thinking that we're beginning, I don't know if you agree with me, but I'm beginning to see the world rush from zero to mad in about a second. Like, we're living in a time where culture is quick to cancel, yell, argue, post a hot take online, and it doesn't seem to be working. Would you agree that it's getting a little crazy? And I was bothered that I was participating in a way like our culture was, and I didn't like that. Now, I'm all for, if there's a wrong, for it to be 
right. I'm all for justice. But as I was thinking about the world that we're living in today and thinking about this call that I, that I had with this gentleman, I didn't show him a lot of mercy. I didn't yell. I wasn't a big jerk, but he knew that I wasn't happy and nothing got resolved. And, and I, didn't, I didn't allow mercy. Well, here's what mercy is, just for a working definition because we're going to build off this today. Mercy is compassion, didn't have a lot of that, or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it's within one's power to punish or harm. Not just punch, not just give, but you can, um, do you know you can emotionally harm someone? And so that's, I didn't show much compassion at that time. And just to be clear, as a follower of Jesus, as we look at that definition of mercy, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have experienced the greatest act of mercy time will ever tell. Because if we look at that definition of mercy, God has the ability to punish us. There's no doubt about it. Read the Bible. Yet when we say yes to following Jesus and we actually do that, he died on the cross for all the junk sins that I do and he looks down at me and has mercy. God is merciful. Look at this. Exodus 34 describes this. It says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's just good news. And the mercy that God shows me and you, we're supposed to share with other people. Jesus shares uh, at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he shares this, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. We're supposed to be merciful. In, in Luke, Jesus teaches a similar thing and he says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. There's unquestionably a command for us to show mercy to other people. And the risk is if we don't, is really clear. It's, look at the book of James says this, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. Here's where we're headed today. As Christians, when conflict arises, we have to figure out as a Christian family how to do it differently. Because the way the world is doing it isn't working. And I need a better model in my life when conflict arises and the world needs to see something different. And so before I unpack the text in Luke chapter 17, I want you to just to think, before I get there, I want you to think of a person that you've got some conflict with. Maybe you don't have conflict with anybody and you should be preaching this message. But likely most of us have some conflict with family members or maybe it's an insurance company or somebody at work or whatever it is. I want you to think about that person. We're going to use that as a framework to build off on in this message. And I want to remind us we're in this series. The series is called We Are Family, God's Sons and Daughters Doing Life Together. In this series, we're trying to figure out how as Christian brothers and sisters, we should be doing life together. We shouldn't be following what the world's doing. We should be figuring out how to do this thing better Together, And I want to start as we unpack how we should do conflict differently to look at Luke 17. I don't have to give a, a bunch of background of what's happening when I read this text. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to navigate conflict. So I'm, I'm going to jump right in Luke 17, just a few verses. It says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. 
And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. I love how that ends. Just a few verses. Jesus is talking about how to deal with conflict. The disciples hear about it and their response is increase our faith because they realize that's going to be hard. And so as I unpack what I'm learning in these few verses, I want to share that it's the right model to deal with conflict. Let me pray before I hit these two things I see. So Father, we thank you for your word, how clear it is. And I pray, God, as we have thought earlier about someone or a situation we had conflict in, that you would guide us, teach us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I see in the text. You can write this down in the back of the program. A merciful family, as a Christian family, we need to show mercy, approaches conflict differently. Duh. But I want to focus on that word differently because it has two meanings. As I unpack what Jesus says, Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Now, some of you are like, yeah, we get to talk about rebuking people. That's going to be a blast. Before I can go to what rebuke actually means, we cannot skip past the first part that says, if your brother or sister sins against you. Jesus is making a distinction to essentially say, you have to approach conflict differently depending on the person and if they believe in me or not. So if I'm dealing with an unbeliever or I don't know if they're a believer, I have to do conflict differently. And let's share from Scripture how we're supposed to deal with that differently if it's an unbeliever. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, this is what Jesus says. He just got done talking about evil people. And he says this, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. That's different than the world. Peter, in 1 Peter 2.12, writes it this way. He says, Love, or live such good lives among the pagans, the unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify your God on the day he visits us. Our approach to conflict with unbelievers or people who are not aware are believers should be radically different. We should be showing tons of mercy. We should be turning the cheek and allowing them to slap the other. We should be doing good deeds, which is way countercultural. And when I go back to my call with the insurance guy, I did it wrong. As I was talking to him, trying to solve my problem, I did not know if he was a Christian. And frankly, if I'm transparent, I didn't care. And I'm not proud of that. In the moment, I I was worrying way too much about my issue, and I let no room for mercy or Jesus in that conversation. You can write this in. My approach to resolving conflict should make extraordinary room for Jesus. It's a big word. My approach to resolving conflict should make extraordinary room for Jesus. If I dealt with that call differently today, 
because what I'm reminded about in this scripture, I would have and should have acknowledged that that guy probably is in a tough spot because just by the questions he was asking me, I knew that he didn't have the information that he needed. Maybe he didn't even have the training that he needed. And it wouldn't have taken me more than a second to realize, man, this is gonna be a tough call. I'm really sorry. You're in a tough place. You're likely gonna have a number of these calls. I'm really sorry. And if I was really at the top of my game, I could have even said, can I take a second to just pray with you. Because if we do that, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but maybe I'm the only person he will encounter that will see something different than the world shows him. It reminds me of this verse in Romans 10. But how can they, unbelievers, call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And what if the someone is us? So we're to handle conflict differently with an unbeliever. Show tons of mercy. What about if someone's part of the Christian family? The text says if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Now we get to the fun stuff. Now we can talk about rebuke, right? But maybe rebuke doesn't mean what you think it means. Here's what rebuke actually means. It means to express strong disapproval of someone, to speak seriously, warn in order to point out another's mistake, fault, or sin for the purposes of correcting behavior. The purpose of a rebuke is to not get what I want. Let let me say it differently. Telling someone they're stupid is not a rebuke. Talking about someone behind their back, telling other people all the problems this person is causing in your life, that's not a rebuke. Rebuke doesn't mean yelling at someone, minimizing, demeaning them, posting a hot take about them, punishing them, canceling them, or punching them. Rebuking is not, frankly, about you. Rebuking is about fixing the thing that caused the conflict. And if they've made a mess, getting the other person to turn from the mess and back to the ways of Jesus because you love them. Jesus shares in Revelation 3.19 why he rebukes us. Jesus still rebukes us. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. So the start, you can write this down, the starting point for rebuke is love. That's where it starts. So if you're frustrated with somebody, maybe they sinned against you, maybe there's conflict in the middle of it. If you're frustrated with them and you actually take a pause and you find it hard to love them, your first step is not rebuke. Your first step is to find out how to love them really well. As a Christian family, our model for rebuking has to be the model of Jesus. And when we do this right, we may not get the thing that we want out of it, but when we do this right, the person that has caused the conflict in our life actually does something that's important, and Jesus says this in our text. And if they repent, which is turning away from the thing that caused the conflict and turn back towards the way of Jesus, that's the thing that Jesus has a dream of, in your lives and in their lives, if they repent, and it goes on 
we should forgive them. It restores the relationship. So a merciful family approaches conflict differently, differently depending on if they're a believer or an unbeliever, and differently that we lead out of love instead of leading out of a hammer. That's different, isn't it? A merciful family approaches conflict differently. The second thing I see that Jesus is teaching is a merciful family demonstrates exceptional patience. You can write that in. Demonstrates exceptional patience. Jesus teaches in, in verse 4, he says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, seven times come back and say, I repent, you must forgive them. Everybody say must. It doesn't say may, it doesn't say should, it says must. We must forgive them. Just think about this for a second. Some of you have, made, have done this in the past. Seven times today, somebody does something wrong, it frustrates you, but they come and say, you know what, I messed up, I repent, I'm sorry. Seven times, same thing, you have to forgive them. And here's what forgiveness means. I think it's really important for us to realize this. Forgiveness is to release the person from legal, moral obligations or consequence. Forgiveness means that they don't have to walk through the consequence that you want to give them. It means you release them from all of that. That's a lot of mercy, isn't it? Mercy, remember, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone who is within one power to punish or harm them. That's a ton of mercy. That's what a Christian family should be doing when conflict arises. We should be forgiving people. Let me give you an example from the Bible. The book of Genesis, there's a 17-year-old named Joseph. Some of you uh, would recognize this story, but I'm gonna compress it pretty tightly. Joseph uh, has a number of brothers, 10 brothers, and he is a dreamer. He shares a dream, it makes his family mad, and his brothers uh, actually throw him in a pit or a cistern. Here's what a cistern looks like back in those times. It was a hole that collected rainwater. It was between 10 and 40 feet deep. So when you were thrown in, you could have drowned, broken bones. Like it was a bad deal, right? Not only did they throw Joseph, his family throws him in this pit, but they actually get him back out and sell him into slavery. Pause. That's a, that's a family argument. Like I'm sure you guys have some junk in your family, right? But that's a... Dinger, 17, his family does that to him. Now advance Joseph's life from 17, he gets sold into slavery, he eventually ends up in jail. But later on in life, when he's 42 years old, he's actually navigated life pretty well, and he now has a prominent position, he's got some wealth, and he's got resources around him. But outside of his area is a famine, and so his brothers are struggling it's 25 years later, and his brothers who have nothing are coming to the land to figure out how they're going to survive, and they run across the brother. What does the brother do? 25 years later, my brothers throw me in a pit, they sell me to slavery, and they never find out for 25 years if I'm alive or okay. But what's Joseph's response? He forgives them. Patient forgiveness. In this verse, I love this verse, uh, I've read it a couple of times, but never focused on the last sentence. Look at this. 
Then he, Joseph, threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. Benjamin embraced him, weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And look at this last. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. If you've ever been in a, a forgiveness situation where somebody, you know, you've done something wrong, and hey, will you forgive? Yeah, I'll forgive you, you jerk. The relationship isn't restored, right? right? 25 years later, Joseph forgives them, and I envision this, and they were talking. They're around a table. Hey, what's been going on over the last 25 years? Let's repair this relationship. Let's figure it out. That's exceptional patience. That's the model of forgiveness that we're supposed to have with others. To be clear, Jesus demonstrated that amount of patience with me the first 22 years of my life. I would have said I was a Christian, but was not. I was living for what I wanted, what I defined success as, and my life was a mess. Yet when I came to him when I was 22, 23 years old, he accepted me, he showed me mercy. And even today when I mess up and go back to him and say, God, I am so sorry that I did not deal with that call well with that guy. Will you forgive? He forgives me. It's the same thing we should be doing with others. And as we close today, I want to make something really practical about this. How patient are we when conflict arises? How willing are we to show exceptional patience and mercy with people? Because if we don't do that, there's risk. Think about this. Think about the conflict in your lives. How quick are you? at offering forgiveness. Some of you uh, might be like Mary Poppins and you're practically perfect in every way. But I don't know about you, I, sometimes I struggle with this. And I, it reminded me of this quote from Desmond Tutu. He's an archbishop, Christian guy. You can write this down. Desmond Tutu says, without forgiveness, there is no future. When he wrote that, he was talking about nations. He's talking about this huge concept, but at the core of it, what he was getting to is your nation, city, family, friends, they will have no future if at the core of it, you cannot forgive when conflict arises. Because conflict just begets more conflict. It just grows. Look at the world today. It's just growing, conflict upon conflict. We're just reducing the amount of time that we're yelling at one another, and it is not working. And in that, there is no future. Jesus even shares in Matthew 6, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Without forgiveness, there is no future. And I think it's time as a Christian family to display exceptional patience, to show mercy that the world is not seeing, to do family and conflict radically differently. It means a merciful family approaches conflict differently and demonstrates exceptional patience. Now before I stand and close, there's a prayer at the bottom of your handout. Do you see that? I want you to think back at the person that you had conflict with. Someone who has hurt you in the past and maybe you haven't forgiven them. And as we close today, I'm actually going to pray over you this prayer. So actually, I want you to think about that person. I'm going to give you 10 seconds.
For some of you, this could be really hard. At the last service, I had someone come up to me and after the last service and, and tell me that the person that they struggled to forgive was no longer here. They had passed away. But the prayer that we were about to pray was so meaningful because what they had been dragging in their life, it felt like an anchor that they couldn't move from. The hurt, the pain from it, and they'd just never forgiven that person. And so as you think about your person, I'm gonna pray this prayer over us. So Heavenly Father, we have been wronged by the person that we're thinking about. And we've held on to that debt long enough. And today we choose to release and cancel that debt. And that person no longer owes me anymore. Just as you forgave me, I forgive them. In Jesus' name. Why don't we stand? Pray to close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.